Hello, my favorite listener. This is not my favorite podcast. Just a daily podcast on local and national news, rants, rhetoric, COVID-19, and the climate crisis. I am your host, Russ Fugel, speaking to you from the North Mountain in Utah County, Nuchiu Country, home of the Ute, Paiute, Goshute, and Shoshone. This is not my favorite podcast, not aiming to be the best or comprehensive, not even topical. Just queering the podcast mic because the world is on fire. Let's get right to the tweets. At Mary Hegler, who is the most amazing climate writer you must follow if you are not. Mary Hegler says, I'm really, really thrilled to see so many new climate podcasts launching. Podcasts give us a forum to express messy topics and hash out in real time and build community. Things we need a lot of in climate community. Did I mention this is episode one? Y'all, I have so many podcasts to recommend to you. Mary is the co-host of Hot Take, and if you cannot handle the inarticulated premises and chaos of this podcast, you should be listening to Hot Take instead. Next, at Climate Power, says, Pennsylvania voters want climate action. 83% of Pennsylvania voters believe climate change is a serious issue, and 73% of them want bold action to defeat it. TLDR, the overwhelming majority of PA voters are climate voters. Which brings us to the next tweet by Inside Climate News. At Inside Climate says, By attempting to tone down her record on climate to appeal to more centrist voters, Kamala Harris risks losing ground with a progressive base seeking strong climate action. Let me tell you something. I am a failed candidate for Congress. I was running for Utah's 3rd District last year on a climate platform because if we're audacious enough to fight for 1.5 degrees C, we must be audacious enough to run the difficult races. My district is one of the most solidly Republican districts you will find in the nation. It's also the youngest. Not runner-up. It's the youngest with an average age of 25. I dropped out of the race in March because of a constellation of issues. But foremost was the COVID pandemic. It hit me on February 26th. I had been following the pandemic for some time and I had a bias. My bias was that the public health institutions would contain the virus. I had lived through the 2003 SARS epidemic in Taiwan and it was somewhat surreal looking at uh, the COVID pandemic in China from the outside. Y'all, this is, this is a podcast I'm really excited for. I've listened to the trailer. This podcast is going to be awesome. At Leah Stokes, Dr. Leah Stokes says, Big news, there's a new climate podcast in town. A matter of degrees. At Degrees Pod. We're telling stories for the climate curious. Hosted by Dr. Catherine Wilkinson and me, trailer is out two episodes next week subscribe rate and share y'all please do the same for mine subscribe rate and share 
I know this isn't the best podcast, and I'm not aiming for it to be the best podcast, but if you're taking the time to listen to me, I appreciate it. And please subscribe, rate, and share. To be honest, um, I don't know why I'm creating a podcast, because there's so many podcasts that I'm trying to listen to that I just can't keep up on. But uh, Matter of Degrees is going to be one of my favorites, I think. I've been following Leah Stokes and Dr. Catherine Wilkinson for some time, and uh, I'm real excited. Uh, Listen to the trailer on this. It's going to be amazing. So, in February, right before I endorsed Elizabeth Warren for president, I wrote an open letter to Congress to the House Select Committee on the Climate Crisis. I have this up on Medium, and I wanted to share just a portion of it with you. Uh, I say, Dear Chairman and Chairwoman, I'm writing to ask you to consider the attached bill because my representative, John Curtis, will not. If necessary, I hope to introduce this legislation myself in the 117th Congress. As you are well aware, we must transition to 100% clean, safe energy to end reliance on fossil carbons as fuel. I recognize the limited carbon budget that responsible accounting clearly demonstrates is compatible with a limit of 1.5 degrees C. That budget and the principle of equity together clearly indicate that the U.S. must reach net zero emissions by 2030. Existing products, equipment, and infrastructure that burn fossil hydrocarbons must be replaced and retired before their end of useful life. There are only around 340 gigatons of CO2, or eight years of current emissions remaining that can be emitted before the world passes 1.5 degrees C warming. And my daughter will live in a 1.5 degrees C warmer world before graduating college. Fossil era profiteers are destroying the planet because it is profitable to do so. Until this economic reality is addressed, they will continue to do so. So I wrote Elba, the Extinguishing the Social License to Burn Fossils Act, which will impose an additional 20% tax on taxable income of all fossil-era profiteers, like Exxon, until they divest fully from carbon-emitting products. That additional tax on profits escalates to 80% by 2026 and 94% in 2030. Importantly, ELBA doesn't impose an excise tax on fossils, the carbon tax, because that would be a regressive tax, disproportionately impacting frontline and vulnerable communities, exacerbating systemic injustices, while also leaving intact the moral hazard of their profiting off of our economic necessity to burn fossils. What Elba manages to do is incentivize fossil-era profiteers to invest aggressively in safe energy sources, adapting to the new rules by transforming their business plans, ending all investment in fossil extraction. The market supplies of fossils will gradually drop as safe energy options flood the market. No taxes will be added at the pump or to utility bills, keeping prices low. Elba also imposes steep import and export duties on coal, oil, and natural gas over the 2020s decade to keep fossils grounded. The import and export duties keep fossils local, preventing profiteers from outsourcing a profitable extraction or sale of fossils to international markets. This is a business-centering, market-based policy that addresses the problem head-on. Julian Brave Noisecat at JNoisecat writes, The most popular way to talk about the Green New Deal, specifically, and 
climate action more broadly is the way it was conceived. Jobs, infrastructure, justice. At Eco America says, quote, To care about climate change, we don't have to be a scientist or a liberal or a tree hugger or a certain kind of person. All we have to be is human because it affects us. End quote. Catherine Hayhoe. Jennifer Turner at Jen X Turner says, The two things that keep me most hopeful when I think about climate change are we know what is causing it and we know how to stop it. There is no excuse for not solving a problem when you already know its source and solutions. Y'all, this is what I want to leave you with. Business as usual is genocide. Business as usual has no tomorrow. In solidarity, Russ Fugel, signing off. <laughs>